Just before we get started, the Second Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's start the pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Second Act Podcast. And today's episode was a really inspirational one, Higa. Well, I certainly thought that Angelique McLeod has a inspirational story, to say the least. The, some of the obstacles that she's been able to overcome in her life and get to a position where um, she's a model and a published author and a mother and all the you know check boxes that people put into their the things they want to do in their life in their wildest dreams she's been able to accomplish yeah uh, angelique was dealt a really crappy set of cards at the start of her life and instead of going somewhere where most people would fold she fought through and ended up like you said as a model with kind of like a, a really solid life from the card she was dealt yeah i thought uh she her story was really worthwhile worthwhile sharing because she talks about being born into a highly uh, religious family where a lot of the things that um, the growing pains she wasn't allowed to grow through and and then she you know ended up in an abusive marriage and things didn't go well there um, she had some addiction issues and uh, she she was able to put all that behind her and turn into a, a inspirational story there's that word again but she's able to definitely show people that there is really never a dead end. You're always able to pick yourself up and get yourself on the right track. So without any further ado, let's kick it over to Angelique McLeod. Thank you. Thank you for having me. But I appreciate you being here today, Angelique. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to sit down with people whose stories are as wide and varied as yours. I mean, some of the things that you've done in your life um, aren't aren't something that every everybody's done. So it's always interesting to sit down with someone and uh, understand how they got to where they are. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that uh, all of us bring a, a unique perspective and a unique story to the table. So uh, I'm happy to share mine. Your story kind of is, I mean, everyone starts out doing, you know, kids stuff and they, they grow up and they, but your story started quite young where, I mean, you, you got pregnant when you were, were fairly young and, and you had, you know, um, at that point being a mom, that's like you're a daughter, you're a sister, a granddaughter, all these other things. That's a that's a big, heavy title to add at that age. Why don't you give us a little idea of what led up to, you know, Angelique, young Angelique into that portion of your life? Yeah, uh, well, for for me growing up, uh, I was uh, a daughter to a teen mom. My mom was 19 when she had me. And that was a really hard thing, I think, for my mom. Uh, she wasn't a single mom, which was a benefit to her. My mom and dad stayed together and continued to be together. Um, but <clears throat> she didn't have all the tools in her toolbox as to how to be a mom. And what was important to her was being successful and showing the world that you can do it and you can be successful even though these things happen she almost wanted to ignore the fact that she was a mom <laughs> just to 
show that, no, I got it right. I got all the steps in order and we're good. Um, so I grew up, uh, for the most part, being an accessory, not so much the focus. Um, so when I, uh, you know, as I was growing up, I had to be my own support person. I had to go through life kind of alone because I couldn't talk to my parents. They weren't really available. And um, we grew up very, very spiritual. Uh, we part of the Catholic church, I suppose. And so it was, it was ingrained in me very early that uh, being anything but perfect was a sin and unacceptable and shameful. So <laughs> Uh, it, it was challenging because I didn't feel like I was perfect. I felt like an outsider in my own home. I felt unworthy and unloved in my own home and was always looking for ways to validate that I was okay, that I was enough. And uh, very early on, I became boy crazy. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and that led me into being a teen mom and a, a teen mom who you know, fell for someone who was abusive, who was controlling. Um, and that that didn't feel so different from where I came from, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just remember being pregnant in my, you know, the year that I had to upgrade from from high school across the stage and had no idea that I hadn't actually graduated. My mom decided to tell me after my grad. <laughs> and so crossed the stage, found out, nope, that didn't actually happen. So now I have to upgrade. And there I was in my my upgrade year um, as uh, an 18 year old and I'm pregnant. Uh, being pregnant, going into my first semester at university and then having to call it quits because, well, I have a baby. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of stigma too, because I'm this, 19 year old unwed you know catholic mom and yeah i just remember how heavy all of that felt how unacceptable i felt uh not just to the world around me but to myself i didn't like that this was how my life was starting and to be honest i felt like all of those decisions that led me there made me you know, completely the poster child of what failure looked like. So, yeah. Well, and it's, it's interesting to sit back and listen to that story and think about all the things that go into it without the healthy dose of Catholic guilt that, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, and then you add that on top and you realize that, um, you know, these things happen, you know, obviously nobody plans for these things, but they can happen, but it's when the people around you are, uh, side-eyeing you or, or, you know, casting that on you, um, you have no choice but to carry that weight. At that age, you're not emotionally mature enough to understand that, that, that you don't have to carry that weight when your parents or people close to you, people that you look up to are, are put foisting that upon you. And then in the meantime, you're trying to go to university. You've got this relationship that, that I'm, I'm assuming at some point in there, you kind of realized, there was issues with and you're trying to be prepared to become a, a parent i mean that um I, i'm i'm mid 40s i'm not sure i could handle all of that right now so that's that's an incredible amount of emotional stress for somebody at, at that age 
absolutely it's you know when i the memory that pops up for me uh when i go through that story is going up for communion at uh church and i was ready to accept the eucharist right when and church is supposed to be the safe place the sanctuary to really connect with with that higher power um only to be told by my mom no 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 you are pregnant you don't have a ring on your finger hmm you can't go up for that right so it was just like oh i feel gross right <laughs> and and yeah it it was a lot of pressure and and you know i i made my bed uh i was told by my uh at that time future father-in-law you have to get married because otherwise this just looks like trailer trash so i made mm -hmm. my bed and uh got married uh in a very toxic and unhealthy relationship uh made it work for six years and finally it got to the point where it was just so abusive on every single level that i broke and i couldn't deal with it anymore so we did end our relationship and uh and i'm much better for it and the kids are now much healthier for it so it yeah it, it took a lot to get me there though and i i think that struggling through these adversities i i don't believe that there's ever a failing point you're either growing and hitting mastery because you've gotten to that level where I got this. I understand all of this now. I've got the lesson. I'm ready to move on. I feel really good where I am. And then you level up or you don't get the lesson and you just keep struggling and you keep staying in that space because you're meant to grasp the lesson and grow. Right. So there's never you, you can't get it wrong. You can only keep learning the lesson or graduating. That's an interesting way of looking at it. And I'm sure um, that's very much a, a benefit or a function of being able to look back upon it in, in that moment. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like something that you would not be able to understand in the moment. No, no, when you're in it, it's, it's just pain. That's all yeah. that you can really see. And I mean, it drove me to uh, drinking substance abuse. It drove me to, you know, having multiple relationships at the same time, using people, you know, I talk about in my book, using people, using drugs, using whatever I possibly could to get through the moment, to dull the pain so that I could at least accept where I was somehow. And so, you know, it, it, it all gets you to this point. And each day that you wake up and you feel this level of pain, it's, you know, it sounds really cliche, but it's up to you as to how you're going to deal with it. And some days, all you can do is cope. And some days you're ready to action it and move on. So yeah, you can, yeah. As, as I said, you can't get around. <laughs> So you mentioned kids, plural. So, so you had another daughter yeah. in that, in that relationship. And, and yeah. so at this point, you know, you're, you're obviously looking out for your own well-being and stuff like that, but you have a greater purpose at this point. You're a mother and you've got these two children in your life that you have to have to look after. So you make a decision to, uh, to get out of the relationship. But like you said, you, you didn't come out unscathed. You had some 
um, dependencies and some addictions and, and different things that you were dealing with. Um, to, to make a decision like that, how is it, is it just a breaking point that you reach or do you get, do you get to the point where you're like, I know I'm not going to be able to handle A, B and C, but I've got to make a decision because of X, Y, and Z. For me, it was exhaustion. I hit a wall. Um, I'm a very stubborn person, so I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. Um, I think that there's so many, so many women who have been, uh, unfortunately typecast as being stubborn and, you know, we won't give into the fact that, that we're wrong, but it's this, this desire to show I made the right decision. I did. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I wanted to keep the look that I was in control, that I made all the right decisions, that, you know, I was on track and I was willing to hold on to a lot of pain, a lot of grief in order to show that to the world around me. And it wasn't until I was broken and completely depleted, I had allowed someone else to, to do that to me. And I had allowed myself to, to um, do that for, for far too long. And all of a sudden it just happened one day and, and I can't really explain it better than that. It was just one day by the end of the work day, I couldn't keep my shit together and I broke and I asked for help and I called the police and it was just, you know, it was this awful event where, um, sorry, I'm, I'm talking about me leaving my husband, my ex-husband was, it was just this, this, this night where one dish broke, I was uh, beaten for it. And I called the police and there it was, it all unfolded within about, you know, 30 minute window of time. And I thought, oh, thank goodness, I'm like, this is done. So it, yeah, it was this exhaustion that led to it for me. And it seems to be that each problem in my life gets to this point of exhaustion and this burnout. And then I'm ready to, to give in and surrender to the situation and what needs to be done. So when you, when you're eliminating one problem from your life, are you, are you getting through that and getting comfortable with that change before you tackle the next one? Or are you making wholesale changes um, and trying to solve a multiple of problems at once? I used to try to solve multiple problems at once. Uh, I tried to deal with every single tree in the forest and it would take me to places of complete overwhelm and anxiety. And that's when my substance abuse was at its highest, was when I was trying to solve for every equation in my life. It wasn't until I'd say the last two years or three years that I've started to set boundaries for myself as to, okay, let's prioritize the challenges and find the challenge that really is creating so much havoc in all of the other areas in my life. And let's just solve for that. And by solving that one thing and putting your focus into that one thing, the overwhelm really it becomes manageable. And that's when you're making more mindful choices in your life that aren't going to create upheaval, but are going to help balance. So yeah, different approaches now. Yeah. And I think that's a function of understanding what works for you, especially when things are in disarray. Um, you know, uh, one decision can have that compound effect so that you understand that was 
beneficial and you can understand what went into that decision. I, I think if you're constantly in reaction mode, you'll never get out of it, right? Yes. Yeah. Nobody wants to be in survival mode for too long because you're making survival mode decisions and typically they're very emotional decisions versus rational and logical ones. When you are talking about coming out of the relationship and you still have, you know, a couple of other of other decisions that you have to make around your your physical and mental well-being. Um, did you have like a, a rock bottom moment or were you able to kind of, you know, make these decisions as as you gain some space in one part of your life, you were able to focus on on development in another? I think I had multiple rock bottoms, to be honest. I had rock bottoms in different areas of my life. Um, the rock bottoms, the rock bottoms for me came when I was just plowing through everything and not stopping to breathe, not stopping to put my own oxygen on. So it's kind of like a bull in a china shop. I'll give that analogy. It's knowing that you have a big problem, knowing that it's all exploding around you, but keep going with that same momentum and everything around you starts to break. And my rock bottoms impacted not just me as a result, but everyone and everything around me, my work life, my home life, my kids, my you know relationships, friendships, et cetera, right? It's rock bottom for me comes, this is just my own thought and you might, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Rock bottom comes because you haven't looked after yourself, because you are so concerned about getting to the next destination and not letting anyone know that there's a problem that you collapse and you burn down the entire house as a result. Um, you have to stop, you have to breathe, you have to give yourself that space, as you said, um, in order to gain the perspective, right? Quiet space and meditation and just like really assessing the situation by standing back is the only way to not hit a rock bottom and to prevent all of the the crashing to to take place but i'd love to hear your thoughts on on rock bottom well i i i'm fortunate enough that my rock bottom at any point in my life hasn't been you know um life altering terribly but the one thing that i you know in 70 plus conversations with people that are that have made changes wholesale changes in their life and and have done different things i think the the thing and you mentioned it is the perspective the awareness to have perspective because mm -hmm. perspective i, I heard a, a guy talk about it one time how he he was doing a, a graduation and he he got up and he talked about how you know the most important thing in your life is something that i can give you but it won't mean anything unless you earn it yourself and he called two people up and he said you know i i have i have a, a lot of it and I can give you some, but it won't mean anything to you. And you have to go out and earn it yourself. And the problem is, is there's no way to earn it easily. You have to go out and earn it. And he said, what am I talking about? And the lady said, or the, the girl, she was in grade 12 student, said money. And, and he looked at the crowd and said, what does everybody think I'm talking about? Is it money? And everyone, yeah. And he said to the guy, what do you think? And he said, well, it's money. And he's, yeah, okay. And he said, so you guys think the thing that I'm talking about that's going to make your life easier 
and it's going to help you live a, a better, easier life that I can give you because I have a lot of, and you have none of at this point is money. And he said, okay, sit down. And he said, so everyone thinks I'm talking about money. He said, I'm talking about perspective. He said, how many times have somebody said, let me give you a little perspective on X, Y, and Z situation. And he said, but that doesn't mean anything unless I've been there, I've lived it. And I think this is my take on it, that in this world that we live in, perspectives are so distorted because of Instagram and Facebook and how curated everything we put out in public is that the awareness to understand that these perspectives are fake and none of it's real. We don't understand the the concept of rock bottom until you're laying flat on your back on it, looking up and going, wow, I can't believe I missed all those signs. Right. Exactly. And, and to your point about the curation that's taking place, when you hit a rock bottom, you look around at the, the, the world around you only to see that that curation and it only compounds the fact that you feel like you failed and that no one will understand. So that's why we don't talk about our problems. That's why we don't share our, our challenges and struggles and those adversities that we've faced because we can't see a lot of examples that this is, this is actually what the real life you know, exercise what it what it really means and what it really is we just see that oh everybody is smiling everybody's perfect everybody has the the great life but that's not true we are all struggling with this exact same um experience just in different ways well and you're doing your part to to shed a little light behind that because you are kind of pulling the curtain back um you you do have you know a, a successful career as a model and you've done a bunch of that type of work you're obviously um a beautiful woman and you're you're you've written books and talking you're you're talk, appearing on podcasts talking about what goes into that life regardless of what people might think even though you post pictures of a modeling shoot on your instagram if anyone takes the time to scroll through it, it there's no, uh, you're not covering up the other parts of your life. No. Yeah. I, I always, I struggle because there are many people who will just look at the picture and put a heart and just lots and lots of hearts and, um, Oh, you're so beautiful. Right. When there's a message, the whole caption, uh, is yeah. about is about the the scars that are on the inside and sometimes even on the outside and how traumatic life can be and here's here's a struggle that i've experienced and how do you resonate with that message and a lot of people just i don't know if it's that they don't want to take the time to to read it and to um understand their they're just flipping through these pictures and commenting. And, and that's just how we've started to create behavior in people. But it's never surface level with me. I want to always find meaning. And I, it was important for me, especially uh, within the modeling uh, category. There are so many young girls and so many young guys who are in this category who are constantly being told 
you're too big, you're not, you know, this, this is a flaw, change this, be this, fit this ice cube tray of a mold. And it doesn't feel good. So I, I can post pictures that are completely edited, by the way, that is not what I look like. Um, there it's it's an edited reality and i want them to see the unedited reality in the content below well and i think that's like to have any credibility in that space and with some of the other things that you do you have to do that because if all you do is show the photoshopped pictures the professional photographer the lighting the makeup the hair and then you want to sit down and talk about some of the other more real parts of your life there's going to be such a big disconnect there. And, and for as, you know, I just finished saying how I feel like people are generally unaware uh, for as unaware as our society is the people that you're trying to reach, the ones that have those holes that, that you're trying to help them fill, they're going to see through that. So it's kind of like at, at some point you had to come to that, to that point to say, I, I'm going to do it this way because it's the only way it's going to work. That's right. And, and as I've, said I, I think i coined it last year and it was pretty funny when i said it but now it kind of is my go-to uh, with my kids and with other people is we're not makeup we're not meant to blend in right so to be what everybody else is because then you're not memorable what what is your life here to be it's it's here to be a unique imprint in the world I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a very um, noble sentiment, but I like the You cut out for a second. Can you, can you just loop back just a little bit? Sure. I think that's a very noble sentiment, but the, the, the way the world is, is, is that those differences aren't celebrated. Um, the, the, the uniqueness of people, you know, at, at a certain point, people start to become a little more accepting of it, but uh by and large like you watch any kind of show where there's you know teenagers or young adults involved and it is just about everyone trying to look the same and be the same and it's it's really difficult to to impart that wisdom that we have as adults on our children to say you know i, I have teenagers you have teenagers it's like you see them making these mistakes you want to just reach out and shake them and say that's not the way but but they have to make that mistake themselves in order for it to stick to get that perspective absolutely and you know it's what i always try to come back to because i've been an outsider my entire life i was bullied in school i wasn't accepted by my own parents just because of the way that i i believe life should be and who we should be versus how a church believes that we should be um I had to really make peace with one point about fitting in or not. And I looked at all of the historic people who have made an impact over time. Jesus, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, uh, you know, we've got Mother Teresa, so many different people, including Marilyn Monroe, Princess Diana, like just these people who we look back at them now. And we say, oh, well done, you nailed it. You had the life. Those people, they got it right. But we have to remember that those people, when they were in their, their 20s, 
prime part of, of uh, their life, they were creating change and working against the grain. They weren't, they weren't the ones who were fitting in at all. Right. In fact, everyone persecuted them for the fact that they were doing things that were wrong, that they were acting too, too much against what was acceptable at that time. And they had very, you know, they had followers who were very passionate about what, what they were saying, what they were doing. But for the most part, society at large was shaking their heads and pointing their fingers and saying, you should be fitting in. Yeah. And I think we're, we're in, especially in a, in a space in our world, assuming society lives another 150 years to look back on, <laughs> on what we're doing right now. And we're going to look at people who, you know, are obviously taking a very contrarian stance to things and, and they, somebody's bound to be right because we're so polarized right now. There's a group of people on both sides and on every side, one of them's going to be right. And we're going to be looking back on them and saying, I can't believe that that's the one, but, but that's the way it's going to be. It's that herd mentality, right? It's we follow kind of like sheep. We follow what is generally accepted by all. And I don't think that that's anything new. I think that since the, the dawn of time, human beings have wanted to be accepted by their, their pack because that was the way to survive, right? It's learning now that we don't have to give in to being accepted by the masses because well we were we've evolved past that we can make our own unique decisions we can feed ourselves we can go and work and provide for ourselves so we don't need to depend on others to accept us and take care of us anymore so speaking of figuring that out and making your own decisions you've You've done a, a number of different things, uh, get doing a, getting into modeling. Uh, you're a published author. You're in sale, uh, marketing for a career. Um, talk a little bit about you know maybe deciding to get into modeling, uh, deciding you were going to you know publish a book to try and help people with the decision or with the the path that you've been on to see if there's an opportunity for other people to take take some lessons from that. Yeah. So because i was a a mom so early in my life um i put work as my primary focus i followed suit with my mom and uh made sure that i was successful in in that area of my life so that was really my primary focus i was also told when i was 13 years old i was scouted at the calgary stampede by uh, a modeling company there when i was yeah quite young and told after I had gone through the exercise of putting together some portfolio shots that, ah, oh, your hips are two sizes too big and you are two girl next door. Um, so that set me into an eating disorder uh, for a few, well, for many years, and uh, which is now under control. I feel healthy, I um, have a great connection with food. I actually love food, um, which works out really well for me. But, um, <laughs> um, but I just, I. I took that dream of being a model and I accepted someone else's truth for what I was able to have in my life. So put that on the back burner, didn't focus on it. And it wasn't until um, 2020 when I uh, got COVID, got pneumonia, thought I was dying. 
there's something about not being able to breathe and sitting up in bed and feeling like you're drowning and you can't go visit the doctor because they're not accepting patients if you have any respiratory issues and the hospitals are saying stay where you are there's nothing we can do anyways so you know sit tight and just do nothing um that puts life into perspective and for me that spurred me into thinking if if i get through this and i get a chance to continue living what am i going to change and it really put me on this trajectory of i'm not going to accept other people's truth for what i can have in my life i'm going to create that story and I'm going to experience all of the things that I've been putting off because uh, I don't believe that I can have it or um, I'm going to wait until I get to XYZ time in my life where I can have it. Modeling was one of those things. So I put my name in the in the ring with, uh, with a few agencies and chose the one that I had always wanted to be with. Um, they had accepted me. We did a test shoot. I came into the agency having no idea what a test shoot was, um, but wasn't wearing any makeup, hadn't really done anything with my hair. It was just very plain Jane, um, just me and the photographer. And those shoot, like, sorry, that shoot, um, those photos were sent to a magazine and published immediately, which was shocking because the agency said this this doesn't happen this is this is pretty cool and i think um i think that you've got a shot at this so i continued to work on my portfolio work with many very talented photographers and it it, it reinforced the fact that this was the right thing for me to do, right? When life gives you the green light and keeps opening up the doors very easily without you having to struggle too hard, keep going, right? It's an, it's an open invitation to explore that dream. Um, the book came right uh, during the pandemic when uh, it was actually during that time where it was very, very ill from COVID. Um, and it was my way of creating a, a a guideline, a process, an easy to follow process of of creating self awareness. Because most of us don't have a lot of self awareness. We're too distracted by what's going on around us and all of the to dos that we don't really slow down and get clear on how did we end up here. How did our, our adversities affect us and what are those lessons that come out of them? So it was my book of healing and I wanted to be able to pass that on to other people um, so that they had a starting point to look within, take, take the moment to pause and look within and then start to heal those parts of themselves just with a different perspective that was mine through my story. And so you, I guess the interesting part for me out of that portion is you talked about the self-awareness with the book. You talk about the kind of immediate success you had. Was it the life experience you had to that point to do it at the age you're at that allows you to have the perspective to, to be able to push forward 
or when you were younger would with that immediate success in modeling like the the gratification or the 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 validation of your physical appearance being accepted so quickly the book being like the you know the perceived like i, I don't know like i feel like when when you first decide you want to write a book there has to be like a self confidence that says the things i'm going to put down on paper people are going to want to hear before it as you get a little older, it's like, no, this is just as much for me as anybody who might read it. Like, do you feel like you would have been as successful if that had happened 15 years ago? Or is this something that came along right at the right time of your life? And it just happened to be during COVID. I think that every, everything happens at exactly the right time. And life has prepared you through all of the trials and tribulations to in that moment of your life, be successful at creating or um, curating the content and and driving forward. Um, the book, I, I I never said it was me who wrote it, and this is the weird thing. A lot of people are like, "What? What do you mean?" Um, I would I had terrible insomnia the entire year and a half that I wrote that book. Terrible insomnia. I would wake up at one o'clock in the morning and I couldn't get back to bed until about four or four thirty in the morning, wake up at six and go to work. Um, and so it, when I would wake up at that time in the middle of the night, there was no, there was nothing else I could do or wanted to do. It was this focus on, I need to open up my laptop and start typing and look that, that, the, the message that I'm going to write about, it's here. I know exactly how it's going to flow. And it would just flow through me. It was, it was like, I don't know, my higher self was saying, I know what you need to have that aha moment tonight for your own healing. And I know what we're going to talk about. And, and it was this, this beautiful connection that I had with, with my, I call it my spirit, right? Um, where it was this, this mentor and mentee um, exercise where we would go through these lessons that became the book, but it was never, those weren't my words. They never felt like my words. They always felt like a lesson that was being taught to me that I was passing on. So I don't, I don't really have a better way of, of saying it, but all of, all of the adversities that I had faced became the content that, that went into that book. But yeah, it was, there was no better time to do it. And the, the growth that I had out of writing it and the piecing the whole puzzle together through writing that book came only because I was the age I was and I had gone through all I had. Yeah, I think, I think the awareness to even just be aware that, that this is flowing through you is something that comes with a little bit of experience in life because you're like, you have a pretty good idea of who you are at that point and, and mm -hmm. the things that you're, that come naturally to you. And then this, this thing that might've come out of left field, you have to be aware that this might, might be, there's a little divine intervention happening here. And if I just, if I just let it flow, let's see where it goes. Right. That's right. And and since then, you know, to be honest, um, with my modeling, with, with writing, with, with just everything, it, things seem to have just sort of calmed down. Right. And calm down in this way where I don't feel anymore like there's a message. 
and I don't feel driven to have to portray certain things or go after certain things. It's just sort of this pause, pause. Now you can rest, right? And I've had this feeling of just, just rest. And for a long time, I tried to push against that. And, and it wasn't comfortable to sit and rest because I felt like that was failure. I felt like if I'm not producing something, if I'm not doing something and actively going after this next, whatever it is, um, I'm, I'm just complacent and rotting. Um, so what I've had to learn and make my peace with over the last little bit is that no, 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 no. Resting is just giving yourself time to enjoy what you've mastered, what you've gotten to. The next wave of creativity or the next thing, it will present itself, but don't go looking for it because by looking for it, you're, you're looking potentially for the wrong thing. It will always appear, whatever this next thing is, it will always appear in front of you in a way that you can't even ignore and that you actively are inspired by and want to be part of. Well, and I think that's anyone's, um, the, you know, the second, the second act or the second part of their life begins when you, when you quit thinking about deserving rest, right? I think that's, for me anyways, the, the concept of deserving a rest means that you have to achieve or, or execute so much in order to, to be able to be entitled to it. And it's not that at all, because the resting part is, is where you get ready to tackle the next challenge and, and understand and, and, you know, compute the, the things that you're feeling. So I, I, I agree that that's a, a very, you know, and not, not a lot of people get there. I don't know that any, everybody is guaranteed to get there. I think there's a lot of people that don't, but, but that's uh that's a very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but you, 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 you're, you're lucky to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. I want to be cognizant of your time here. Um, I, I told you it'd be an hour and we're almost there, but I, I have a couple of questions left. And mm -hmm. one is you had a post this week on the Instagram where you talked about fuck yes energy. And I thought that was like, that's, that's where you are in your life. And, and you know, people could probably go and find it if they wanted, <laughs> but the concept of it, like if you're not all in on something at this point in your life, it's not for you is what I took that as, as was, I watched it a couple of times. What does that mean to you? For me, I have lived a life of feeling obligated to other people to be certain things, to say the right things and fit the molds. And that obligation has led me down paths that I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't enjoy that didn't feel right to me. An obligation is a trap. I always, I always try to relieve myself from feeling obligated because that to me is my higher self saying, hmm, you're doing this for someone else and you're giving your power to someone else. Don't act out of obligation, act out of what actually inspires you. Um, because that is going to come from the right place and you're going to have the right energy. Um, 
to to advance forward with it. So fuck yes to to the people that you actually want to talk to. If the phone rings or if someone texts you or if someone sends you a message and you don't want to respond, don't. Don't, right? What do you get out of it? What do they get out of your half-assed, you know, conver conversation that doesn't feel good to you? It's taxing you and taking from you and creating only resentment. So fuck yes to the right people. Fuck yes to the things that you want to do because you're going to do them even better because you're in it and only approach life with an I'm all in because this is coming from me and I feel the benefits of wanting to spend my, my energy and attention there. Anytime that you split your energy, you are saying, yes, I'll do it for you. And no, I don't want to do it. And so it creates stress, it creates stress in you and it creates anxiety in you. And so people who, who are like me, who are highly, highly uh, anxious and stressed out human beings really need to practice this one, really need to pause before accepting responsibility, accepting a new task, saying yes, because we want to feel like, oh yeah, we're stepping in, right? Start to practice a pause and then ask yourself, is this me doing this because I really like this and I really want to, and it, it makes me excited? Or am I doing this because I want to do something for someone else so that they'll like me or perceive me in a certain way? So yeah, fuck yes and say fuck no a lot more. Well, uh, that's that's an, a great sentiment. I think we can all practice it or put it, try to put it into practice a little bit more. That's right. I like to end the pod with, um, I like to talk to people about that are making changes and doing different things with their life. And especially people like you that are so far down the road and of making these changes and have, 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 are starting to, you know, enjoy the fruit that, that these changes are bearing. Um, what does success look like to you now? And does it look anything like you might have thought of when you started making some of these incremental changes? Success looks so different from when I started. Success to me before was title and money and acceptance from other people. Success has changed quite a bit for me now, and and I'm okay with it. I'm okay that not everybody's going to feel like they can identify or that this resonates with them. But success to me now is feeling peace, not feeling unsettled and restless and anxious about what's next, but to just be able to breathe and ease and, and relax and lean in to life and the experiences that are coming. I think I'm gonna just sum it up really, really quickly here to say that before I was always looking for, as, as I said, always looking for something to do. And I think that that really was me trying to distract um, and create a lot of noise in my life. But what I have learned as my, sorry, how I have learned success plays out in my life is it plays out when I'm, I'm willing to just have an experience. I'm just willing to have an experience. It doesn't matter what kind of experience it is, but just be open to experiencing something new. 
and not coin it as good or bad, but just simply be able to observe that I'm in an experience and that that in itself is a beautiful gift that only life can bring. Another great podcast from someone who has so much going on and so much to offer, but you can understand why it took her until this point to be able to share and have value in, in sharing her life, her story, what she's done. You can hear all the parts about the, the getting pregnant young and the guilt that went into it, getting married when, you know, all the signs pointed to being a bad idea. Uh, unfortunately suffering abuse at the hands of her husband, ex-husband now, and, and then bringing these kids into this world and trying to figure out a better way and just, you know, forging ahead one foot in front of the other and getting herself into a position where she can realize some of these dreams. I mean, she's an author, she's a model, she's got a successful career and she gets to find opportunities like this to sit down and help people by telling her story. And I think that's exactly what the second act podcast is about. We want to get people an opportunity to hear different stories so that something may click for them and, and help them understand what's going on in their life and what steps are available for them to maybe change the way things are going. I think that's just the whole part about this that makes so much fun is once in a while we do hear from people that are like, oh my gosh, man, that was such an incredible story. And it might not be the one that everybody else thought was incredible, but there's that one piece about it that everyone thinks touches them, touches their life and makes it worth their while. I'd like to thank Angelique McLeod for coming on. Um, short notice, we were, you know, trying to fit things in uh, and it, and it, kind of fell together we were able to get together and record and it worked out really good a lot of fun to to sit down and talk to these people we got some great guests coming um always trying to make sure we we stay two or three ahead and we want to make sure that they're good we want to make sure that these people have great stories to share so that when you guys are spending a half an hour 45 an hour with us it's worth your time always uh stop in at the at the uh wherever you're hearing it spotify apple or uh or google good pods wherever you're hearing it and uh leave us a note drop us a line the, go in the, the show notes they always have a way to get a hold of us and figure out what's going on and we want to hear from you we want to know why we're not getting five-star reviews from you because we'll we'll change it up if it makes sense that's the type of stuff we want to do for you so as we always say at the end of these there are no wrong answers and no test at the end so make the most out of every day. The Second Act Podcast would like to thank Ben Sound for the intro and outro music. Happy Rock. That is www.bensound.com. We'd also like to thank Chin Whiskers for the promotional consideration. You can find them at your local Tommy Guns, Original Barbershop, Amazon, or chinwhiskers.ca. And we would also like to thank you for listening. Test the microphone. No mmm noise. You're an asshole.